This is the seventh edition of TNA Impact Wrestling Analysis. My name is Levi D. Smith, and I'm coming to you from the Knoxville, Tennessee area. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to review last week's episode of Impact. We're going to go over the ratings. We've got a little bit of history for you, and finally, we'll end up with news and rumors. Let's go ahead and get started. On the last edition of Impact, we saw MVP, Kenny King, and Lashley come out to start the show. And MVP, he's really been the mouthpiece for Lashley lately. So he came out and declared Lashley the king of New York. And, of course, the New York crowd just didn't like that at all. They were booing Lashley. And then one of their heroes, Tommy Dreamer, he comes out and confronts Lashley. And this led into a match between Lashley and Tommy Dreamer, which was a New York City street fight. And in this match, it was really one-sided. Dreamer really was no match for Lashley. Lashley came out, just took it to Tommy Dreamer, and Lashley goes, and and he's beating up on Tommy Dreamer pretty badly. And at one point, Tommy Dreamer did get some offense in during the match, Kenny King, he got him, he got himself involved with the match, and he was holding Tommy Dreamer up on the ring apron from the outside of the ring, from outside the ring ropes, and then Lashley was going to come by and just totally spear Tommy Dreamer while Kenny King was holding him, but Tommy Dreamer, he was able to escape, and Lashley, he just spears Kenny King all the way to the floor of the arena, so really painful, and Then Tommy Dreamer was able to get a little offense in. He took a trash can. This was a New York City street fight, so all weapons were legal. So he took a trash can, started beating Lashley with the trash can. And then he got a kendo stick from underneath the ring. And he was going to use that kendo stick against Lashley. So he got up on the second turnbuckle. He was going to come down and hit Lashley with it, but he missed. And then Lashley just put Tommy Dreamer away. And then Lashley set Tommy Dreamer up for the spear. And after that, he just got the one, two, three, and it was over with. So Lashley, he was triumphant in that match. This was followed up by a segment between Samuel Shaw and Gunner and, and their continuing saga of Gunner trying to help Samuel Shaw from the problems that he had had in the past with his psychiatric issues. So they showed them, I think it was in Gunner's apartment somewhere, and they're just chatting. And then Gunner leaves and leaves Samuel Shaw by himself. And then Samuel Shaw sees Gunner's, I think it was his Marine or military outfit, his uniform. So when Gunner came back in a later segment, he saw Samuel Shaw with his military uniform on. So Gunner was pretty upset about this, told Samuel Shaw to take it off immediately. So a little bit of friction between those two guys. Don't know if Samuel Shaw may be going back to his creepy ways or not. So this was followed by a great knockouts match between Taryn Terrell and Madison Rain. And I don't know, I think Madison, she's showing that she might be turning heel pretty soon because she is really antagonizing toward Taryn Terrell, who's never really done anything. So it might be a good change for Madison to, to play the heel for a while. 
And it's a really great match, action-packed. Saw a swinging netbreaker by Taryn Terrell. And then she did this awesome cross-body block from the top rope that just totally took Madison Rain out. And near the end of the match, we saw Madison Rain. She got the advantage. But when she was pinning Taryn Terrell, she had to use the ring rope. She put her legs up on the ring ropes to get that extra leverage. So it just shows that, yeah, she's doing a little bit more rule breaking here. So it looks like she is turning uh, to the dark side. After that, we saw Taryn Terrell. She put, it looked like a cutter move, kind of like a diamond cutter or, or an RKO on uh, Madison Rain, and I don't know if that's her new finisher or not, but if it is, it would be nice if they gave that a name, just so we would have something to call it. But uh, after she put that cutter move on, Madison Rain was totally out, and Taryn Terrell got the cover and the 1-2-3 for the victory. And, yeah, I thought this was great. As in all knockout matches, I think the wrestling has been spectacular, but I think the stories need a little bit of a help. Uh, I know... There really isn't much going on story-wise as far as the knockouts go. we got the beautiful people backstage, but they just really don't seem to have that same magic as they had in the past. And it, the knockout storylines have just been a little bit dry lately, so it'd be nice to have that pick up a little bit. The knockouts match was followed by an X-Division match. We saw Low-Key, Tigre Uno, and Crazy Steve team up together in a six-man tag, and they defeated Homicide... DJZ and Manic, and really action-packed match. We saw Manic. He's got this really crazy move where he can get on the back of a guy, like he got on Loki's back, and he was able to put an arm bar on him at the same time. So it looks really painful. I've seen people just do like standing arm bars, but he's got that extra leverage by wrapping himself around the back of his opponent. It almost looks like a crucifix type move, but he's wrenching the arm back at the same time. So it looks like it's just doubly painful. So after that, Loki, there was a move where Manic kind of like threw Loki up. And it looks like he's going to, I don't know, put some cutter move on him or something. But Loki was able to reverse it in midair, and he put the Warriors away, the double foot stomp on Manic when he came down. So really painful-looking move. Then we saw Crazy Steve. He did a crossbody block to the outside of the ring on Homicide, just totally wiped Homicide out. And then Manic had a really impressive move. He's, he's done this move a few times before where his opponent will throw him or do like an Irish whip into the uh, into the ring ropes, but he doesn't rebound off the rings. He'll he'll grab on to the top and middle ring rope, and he's just kind of stuck there. It kind of looks like he's Spider-Man or something, just stuck there in the ring ropes. I'm going to call it the Spider-Man move. I mean, the competition, they got a guy, he uses the Superman punch. I'm going to call this the Spider-Man move because... They haven't given it any other name, so that's what I'm going to call it. I don't know if there could be, like, potential legal issues if they were to use that name with Marvel, so I don't know. I think Spider-Man is pretty generic, so that's what I'm going to call it. And when he does his Spider-Man move, it really upsets his opponent. So whenever he did this, Tigre Uno, he's like, oh... I gotta go attack him because he's just like standing there taunting me between the top and middle ring rope. So then the opponent, in this case, Tigrino, he starts charging toward Manic. Then Manic just kind of flips down, and then the guy, in this case, Tigrino, just totally misses and just falls to the outside of the ring, wiping himself out. So then Manic, he got the advantage, but 
Then there was a nice move by Low Key. Low Key, he springboards off the middle ring rope and does a kick right into the face of Manic. So that totally wiped Manic out. Low Key got the advantage and put the key crusher on Manic, and then he got the win. This was followed up by a segment in the in the backstage. It, we saw the bromance. Robbie E., Jesse Goddards, and DJ Z, they were with Jeremy Borash in the back, and they were playing around with their mobile devices. It was kind of weird, but there's this app called Tinder, and apparently it lets you pick up women, apparently. So they were having a challenge between Robbie E. and Jesse Goddards. They're going to see how many women they could pick up through Tinder. So they're doing their thing on their app and everything, and DJ Z, he was going to be the the referee, the official, or the judge to declare the winner. It turned out they came out in a tie, but it's really questionable about some of these people they were picking up on Tinder. Seems like it, yeah, it's just really weird who they're picking up. So apparently each one claimed that they had picked up a knockout. So no clue who this is going to be, but hopefully we'll find out in an upcoming episode of Impact Wrestling who the... Jesse Goddards and Robbie E. picked up through Tinder. This was followed up by a match between EC3 and Rhino. Yeah, there was a big falling out between those two guys because EC3 is blaming Rhino for Dixie Carter, Aunt D, to EC3. He was blaming Rhino for her getting put through a table. And so EC3 is just taking all his frustrations out on Rhino. Pretty interesting match here. Rockstar Spud, he's still on EC3's side, so he's trying to help him out. He grabbed Rhino's leg from the outside of the ring right when Rhino was setting up EC3 for the gore. So Spud got involved, interfered, but after this, EC3, he just couldn't take it anymore. He got a chair, and he started beating Rhino mercilessly with the chair, and he just... It wasn't a hardcore match, so EC3 got disqualified, and he's just totally beating up Rhino with the chair. And even Rockstar Spud felt sorry for Rhino, so he tried to go over there and grab the chair from EC3. Then EC3 looked like he was about to use the chair on, on Rockstar Spud. So a little bit of tension between those two guys. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes. If Rhino's done for good now, I don't know, but... Uh, EC3, he's just on the warpath right now, and he's trying to get revenge for what happened to his Aunt D. This was followed up by the segment with uh, Chris Belendez. Uh, it's pretty interesting. There's a few guys in the ring. Uh, Ken Anderson, he was in there as a, another war veteran. Uh, he welcomed Chris Melendez to TNA, as well as Kurt Angle, who's the current GM or director of operations, whatever they're calling him. And they're all welcoming Christopher Melendez into TNA. They gave a little bit of his backstory about his time serving in the military, what happened to him. And also Team 3D, Bully Ray, he got on the mic telling the fans like what a great worker Melendez is and how he just puts his mind to wrestling and how he's a great student in the Team 3D Academy and how they actually paid for his wrestling training just because of everything that he went through for serving our country. So it's a really great segment. crowd was really behind Christopher Melendez. One thing I wish, I wish they would have just like started Melendez out with a match, but I guess they just wanted to do this first to introduce him to the crowd and the fans. 
think Chris Melendez could be a great competitor, but I don't know. I've seen the amputee and Zach Gowan wrestle before, and it's kind of a novelty at first, but it kind of wears off. So I'm hoping that Christopher Melendez has a little bit more, I don't know, uh, personality and and just a better worker than Zach Gowan was. And we've also seen the war veteran, too, and Jesse Neal years ago. He was another graduate of the Team 3D Academy, and he seemed to work out pretty good. He had the whole war. I think he was in the Navy. He was the uh, war veteran as well, but he just really didn't go anywhere. I really enjoyed Jesse Neal and Ink Inc. I thought that was a really unique stable. It was Jesse Neal and Shannon Moore. They both had the like the punk mohawk thing going, and, and I think they had another uh, toxin. Yeah, she was also in Ink Inc. in the later uh, stages of that faction. It's really interesting, but that ended up getting dropped. Uh, not sure exactly what happened to Jesse Neal, but he was eventually dropped and went his own way. So, I don't know. I just hope that Christopher Melendez has more success than those two guys. This was followed up by a match with Sonata, now known as the Great Sonata against Austin Aries, and Sonata was victorious in defeating Austin Aries, and Cowboy James Storm, he came out, introduced the great Sonata, and when I saw Sonata come out, he looked a lot, it reminded me of like an AJ Styles or a Christian Cage, he had like the full body uh, ring gear on, kind of like the pants and the jacket, and he also had a hoodie on, just like a Christian Cage or AJ Styles, so you couldn't see see his face or anything until he got in the ring and then when he got in the ring he pulled the the hoodie off off of his face and he looks a lot like the great muda with with his face paint and and also some of his mannerisms as well is a lot like the great muda but yeah uh, the Great Sonata, it looked like he had some kanji. He had this face paint on, full face paint. It was uh, yellow and black, and he had some kanji written on his face. So it was a totally new look for Sonata. And I think this is supposed to be like mocking the Great Muda. So I don't know. I think it's pretty interesting as part of this storyline. I don't know if I want to see Sonata do this all the time. Because I think Sonata just needs to go out and do his own thing. But I think it's good for the story just to kind of poke a little fun at the Great Muda. And maybe build a little bit of tension in that rivalry. And so in this match we saw Sonata get the victory over Austin Aries. And I don't know, maybe we'll see Aries team up with Muda to take on James Storm and Sonata in uh, Bound for Glory. Who knows? And the main event for this episode of Impact, we saw Team 3D defeat the Wolves and the Hardys in the main event. It was a really action-packed match, and Team 3D was victorious after hitting the 3D. And since they won, Team 3D now gets to pick the stipulation for the next match. So they chose a table match for the next match in this series. So now it's time for the ratings. So for the August 27th episode of Impact, 
Last week, it scored 928,000 viewers in the United States. And again, this doesn't take into account the number of DVR viewers, but this is an increase from the number of viewers last week. So we're still seeing that upward trend, and I think it's just taking a little while for the fans to get accustomed to watching Impact Wrestling on Wednesday night. So hopefully we'll see it over a million in not too long. Now it's time for This Week in TNA History. So I'm going to change it up a little bit this week. I had been doing the 10 years, 5 years, 1 year. So I'm going to change it up a little bit. I thought it was interesting on Impact. Taz mentioned something about those who love wrestling history. So hopefully I'm filling that gap in there, giving a little bit of a history lesson here. So hopefully people enjoy this. I know uh, I enjoy wrestling history. So just... I don't know, it shows what the people who came before did to build TNA Impact to where it is today. So this week, nine years ago, we saw James Storm and Chris Harris, then known as America's Most Wanted, defeat Chase Stevens with Andy Douglas, and they were known as the Naturals. This week, five years ago, we saw a disguised Eric Young cost Hernandez in his match against Sting for the number one contendership for the heavyweight title. This week, four years ago, we saw Madison Rain and a mysterious biker chick. I remember this. Uh, it, she would come out and help Madison Rain win her matches, and nobody knew who it was, but she would come out on this bike, and Madison would sometimes come out on the back of the bike with her, and nobody knew who this was. So that team of Madison Rain and Mystery Biker, they took on Angelina Love and Velvet Sky, and they defeated them the beautiful people so at the end of this match it was the big reveal the biker revealed herself she took off the helmet and it was tara and tara had previously been in impact wrestling but i believe she lost a match to madison rain uh, which made her leave impact wrestling so it'd been a while since we had seen her but apparently since madison was the one that made her leave she was able to bring her back as her bodyguard this week, two years ago, we saw a gut check segment. So for those of you who don't remember, gut check was where they would bring in a talent uh, from the indies or an up-and-coming star, and they would come in get a tryout match, usually against an established teenage star, but sometimes they would have two gut check opponents go up against each other. But after they had this match, they would be judged by three judges. And in this case, we had two of the judges were Al Snow and Bruce Pritchard. And during the gut check segment, Joey Ryan, one of the previous gut check contestants who was eliminated, they, they gave him the no, they didn't want him on the roster. So Joey Ryan had been upset about being rejected by Gut Checked, and he went on this crusade. He had multiple YouTube videos out there saying, oh, what a mistake they made not giving him the contract through Gut Check. So Joey Ryan, after a few weeks, after doing these videos, he started showing up at Impact Wrestling in the crowd. He would hold up a sign. I think there was a, a poll on the Impact Wrestling website, and they let the fans have a voice in whether or not they should allow this Gut Check contestant to get a contract and i think it was like 89 percent of the people voted 
up for Joey Ryan. So he started calling them the 89 percenters, and he really used that 89% as justification on why he should have a TNA Impact Wrestling contract. So he started showing up, preaching this 89%, and this really got under the skin of Al Snow. So Joey Ryan, he was in the crowd in the front row. He had a megaphone taunting during this gut check segment. So Al Snow comes and confronts Joey Ryan, and then Joey Ryan just takes his cup from from a fan, had some beverage, and just throws that liquid in the face of Al Snow. So a lot of tension between those guys, which actually led up to a match between those two at Bound for Glory. Now on to news and rumors. So this week had some disappointing news, and there's been a few releases lately, so we have another release. Dewey Barnes is no longer with TNA Impact Wrestling. So Dewey Barnes, he used to run the merchandise stand for TNA at a lot of the house shows, and most people probably know him in his matches against EC3. When EC3 first joined Impact Wrestling, he was one of the two guys that, along with Noor Furnham, who went up against EC3 and actually lost to EC3 quite a a few times, even in tag team matches. But still, Dewey Barnes was a good worker. I remember seeing him at house shows. I remember one, I believe it was at Bristol or Johnson City. He was actually working the merchandise stand. And then the ring announcer said, oh, Dewey Barnes in the next match. So he just, like, leaves the merchandise stands and jumps in the ring and wrestles a match. And then after he was victorious in that match, he went back to running the merchandise stand. So, yeah, I thought Dewey Barnes was a great guy. Disappointed to hear him being let go. But uh, hopefully he may be brought back in the future. Who knows? It's also announced that Bound for Glory tickets are now on sale, but unfortunately they were only on sale for a short period of time at a Wrestle 1 event at Korakuen Hall in Tokyo. So it's only those fans at that event at Korakuen Hall were able to buy the Bound for Glory tickets. Now, uh, Jimmy Suzuki... He got on Twitter, and he announced that the tickets were on sale there, but he didn't mention something about tickets going on sale uh, at Ticketmaster Japan. I tried to look for a Japanese Ticketmaster website. Couldn't find anything. I went to the international section of Ticketmaster. Tickets for Brown for Glory aren't on sale there yet, so maybe it's going to take a few days. I'm not sure, but... There probably aren't too many fans in the United States that are going to Bound for Glory, but I'm sure there's got to be a few people out there that that want to make the trip over there. So hopefully we'll hear something from TNA soon on how people from other countries can buy those tickets for Bound for Glory. And I'm not sure I need to check on and see how many people at uh, the Korakun Hall. And that's actually at the Tokyo Dome City. So it's not at the Tokyo Dome, but it's in that same little area right there. And I think it's part of the, the whole Tokyo Dome City area down there. So seems like it'd be a lot of fun. Not sure how many people that arena sits. Maybe a couple thousand. I don't know. But uh, hopefully they get a good crowd for Bound for Glory. And hopefully we'll find out more about tickets soon. 
and there's been some questions about what Bound for Glory will be like this year because there really hasn't been a lot of buildup yet. Usually they've already started building some matches for Bound for Glory, and some people are thinking it might be like they had Global Impact a few years ago, I think in 2008, and it's just kind of like, uh, I would say kind of like a non-canon uh, wrestling event. It's not a part of any of the storylines, but we saw a lot of TNA talent going up against Wrestle 1 talent, so it could be like that. They have announced that the great Muda and Tajiri. Tajiri, he was, uh, he's, I don't believe he's ever been in TNA wrestling, but he was in the original ECW. He was the inventor of the tarantula move where he'd grab people and wrap them up in the ring ropes. And he's going to be at Bound for Glory, but they haven't announced any other talent from Wrestle 1 being at Bound for Glory. But there have been quite a few uh, TNA wrestlers announced for Bound for Glory. So it sounds like it's going to be a great show. And, of course, it's going to be on pay-per-view on October 12th. In other news, Manic, also known as TJ Perkins, he has signed a new contract with TNA. So I think this is great news. Manic is a great talent and great wrestler. So hope to see great, more great things for him in the upcoming years. And also, coming, upcoming on pay-per-view on Friday, September 5th, we have World Cup 2014 one night only on pay-per-view. And I think this will also be available on TNA's YouTube channel. And generally, these one-night-only pay-per-views are about 15 bucks. So it sounds like it's a great value for your money. For 15 bucks, you get three hours of wrestling. So if you're looking for some wrestling action, I definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, the only thing I'm disappointed about this show, there's going to be four teams. Now, they've done the World X Cup in the past, and it used to be different teams from around the world. Like you would have a Team Mexico, a Team Japan, a Team USA. And one time they had like a Team TNA, which was kind of like Team USA. But I think they also had Curry Man on board for Team TNA. But they would wrestle in different comp- styles of competition. Maybe uh, tag team matches, one-on-one matches. X Division, uh, Ultimate X matches, things like that. And they would earn points for each of those matches. And each match would have a different point value. So they would compete in all these different matches and get points. And the winner at the end would actually get a trophy, the World X Cup trophy. So I was hoping it was going to be like that, but it's actually only going to be current TNA stars. So we have the captains, Bobby Roode, his team takes on... Eric Young's team, and then EC3's team, and also Kurt Angle has a team. So it's only the existing TNA talent, and there's not going to be like talent from AAA or New Japan or any of those other organizations as they had done in the past. But still sounds like it's a great show with some great wrestling. I'm not sure if they're going to do the point system on this pay-per-view, but I guess we'll just have to buy that pay-per-view and find out. And upcoming this weekend... There's going to be three TNA shows uh, in the southeastern United States. There's the Charlottesville, Virginia show. I believe that's on Friday. There's the Grand Rapids, North Carolina show. 
uh, in North Carolina, which will be on Saturday, and then Fayetteville, North Carolina on Sunday. So I'm thinking about going to a couple of those shows. I know the Fayetteville show is supposed to be, I believe it's an impact taping. Now, it could be Explosion or some international show, but it's just said it's a uh, TV taping. And also the other two shows will be one-night-only pay-per-views, Rivals and Turning Point. I'll also say that the Bethlehem, Pennsylvania shows, the upcoming shows, they still have VIP tickets available, and you can get a VIP ticket for $115, and I think that's a great value. Uh, you can get a front row seat ticket. You don't have to like try to look around anybody's head. You're right there in the front row, right in front of the camera for 115 bucks. I think that's a great value. And also, usually you get to meet, I don't know, two or three TNA stars before the match or before the show and get your picture taken with them and also get a signed, anything you want signed. I think they limit to to like one or two items that you can get signed, or they'll give you an 8x10 glossy of, of that superstar that, uh, that is available backstage. So I always think that the VIP is a great value, so recommend that. And also on Shop TNA, they have back-to-school deals. So right now they have a lot of great deals. You can get 50% off DVDs, and you get 75% off posters and 8x10 photos. So if you want to cover your bedroom wall with TNA posters, cover your bedroom walls with pictures of the knockouts, I recommend taking advantage of this deal because you can get a lot of great merchandise at a great value right now. So this week on Impact Wrestling, coming up Wednesday, we're going to see the controversy between Eric Young and Bobby Roode come to an end. Because remember on the last episode of Impact Wrestling, they both escaped uh, the cage at the same time. Their feet hit the ground at the same time. So there's that controversy. Each referee, I believe is Brian Stifler, and uh, Brian Heb- Hebner, they both declared each one the winner. So there's some controversy on who was the real winner. So we're going to settle it this week. Kurt Angle declared that Eric Young is going to take on Bobby Reed, good friends from the past, both in Team Canada and have that great history between those two guys. They're going to take each other on one-on-one to determine who is the real number one contender for Lashley's TNA Heavyweight Championship of the World. We're also going to see a knockout title match between Gail Kim and Taryn Terrell, and this is being billed as the rubber match between those two because right now Gail Kim has one win, Taryn Terrell has one win, so we're going to finally see who is the better knockout. We're also going to have a X Division match. We're going to see Loki, Homicide, Manic, DJZ, Tigre Uno, Crazy Steve. They're all going to be in action for the number one contendership for the X Division title to take on Samoa Joe. And also, if that wasn't enough for you, we're going to have the debuting Havoc. Now, we've been seeing these vignettes, these promos, like for the past four or five weeks. It comes out with this mysterious picture. It looks like somebody with a gas mask on and these letters that keep flipping and changing. It kind of looks like the Matrix or something, but on a red background and says, warning, warning, warning. And there's been a mystery who this has been, and they've been revealing one letter every week. So all of the letters have been revealed now, and it's havoc. The, the 
newest knockout, the newest addition to the knockouts division. She will be debuting on Wednesday night this week on Impact Wrestling. So sounds like it's going to be a great show. So I de- definitely recommend everyone checking out Impact Wrestling on Wednesday night on Spike TV. So that's all I have for this week. I appreciate everyone listening. And just keep listening to the podcast. If you want the latest information about the podcast, you can follow Podcast TNA on Twitter. So I appreciate everyone listening to the podcast, and I'll be back in a week. <laughs>